Welcome to the River D Centre podcast. Listen back to the Sunday worship message recorded live in our church building in Flint, North Wales. Good morning. Um, just to make this just a little bit more contextual so you understand, I, I just need to, a little bit of an introduction of how this all happens. Um, you know, you never ask for your life. It's something that you, that you dealt with, if you like, as you walk with the Lord. And for some reason, uh, for 33 years, I've spoken to an American every day, either living there for 11 years or being sent from American churches to Wales as a missionary. But I've also spoken to a Welsh person every single day for 22 years, because I've lived here. And during that time, obviously, my love for Wales and my love for the USA has just developed just to a point where I just love the two countries and want to bring them together, to partner for Jesus' sake, so that the gospel and his mission and the kingdom comes, you know? Um, now, there are seven partnerships. You're one of seven, but you're the only partnership that has my home church from the USA. So today, when I interview my friend Jeff, I interview a fellow church member. That's my home church in the USA. You're the only one that has that, and it's a pleasure uh, to, to do that. We love being at River D. We think River D, River D and Rock Chapel are great partners. And we are looking forward to what the Lord might do in these next years to come. Because I think it's going to be pretty special. So, I met Jeff uh, a very long time ago when we were both at seminary. And I want to interview him today because um, he's got an interesting story. But um, something dramatic has happened in Jeff's life. And so, to begin with Jeff, we just need to know, who's Jeff Laster? Where were you born? Where were you brought up? I was actually, I was born in Arkansas, so I'm not originally a Texan. They have a saying in Texas, I wasn't born here, but I got here as quick as I could. <laughs> and a lot of people say that, and I, I do love Fort Worth, where we live, and, and Texas, but growing up, the University of Texas and the University of Arkansas, where I was, we were arch rivals. So that was... That was hard to move somewhere where your arch rival was the primary <laughs> school. But so I've been in Fort Worth at Wedgwood for 25 years, either as a member or support staff. I just a couple weeks ago celebrated my 20th anniversary as ministerial staff at Wedgwood. And so, you know, I, I moved there to go to seminary. So Rob said we, we met at seminary and also at Wedgwood. And I wasn't really sure, you know, where. God would send me, and as it turns out, he left me there in Fort Worth, which has been a, a huge blessing because I've got to work with Rob, and and I've through that I've got to come to Wales, to Flint, to, to the capital of North Wales. I've never never thought in a thousand years I'd be in the capital of North Wales. So it, it's been a, a huge blessing just to be to be a part of Wedgwood. Yeah, but of course at uh, 7:03 p.m. on the 15th of September, 1999. Something happened that changed your life and many thousands of lives. Could you tell us 
Could you outline the event for us? We were having, are y'all familiar with the See You at the Pole? Did y'all do that here? Where See You at the Pole was an event where youth, primarily youth um, groups like around their high schools or junior high, middle school, they would meet around their flagpole in the morning and pray for their schools or community, that kind of thing. And so we were having a saw you at the pole rally. So we had several youth groups who came that night to our church and they were in our worship area and we had a live band and just, you know, music going on and things like that. And so the rest of the church was kind of moved around different locations to accommodate for it. And about, as Rob said, probably about 20 minutes into this, I was standing in the South Foyer, which is one of our main entrances, with some friends. And we had, you know, a lot of people there. We had probably 600 people in the worship center, and most of those we didn't know. And so we were standing there in the South Foyer, and this guy walked up. He came up, and he parked in a handicapped spot, and he kind of walked around, hesitated a little bit. And as he started to come into the doors he was still smoking a cigarette and one of the people sitting there with me said you know you need to go greet him but also tell him we don't allow smoking in the building and so as we did as he opened the door then before I had a chance to say anything to him he just pulled out a nine millimeter and started firing at people and so in the end he had killed seven and wounded seven and, and taken his own life and so two of the people that were there with me there were five. Uh, one of my best friends, Sidney Browning, was killed. One of the other ladies was wounded. And then he left where we were and proceeded down the hallway into the worship center and killed and wounded several more in there. And, you know, he he, he had, it was kind of like he had a mixed emotions about himself. You know, he had serious mental health issues and his there were people that seemed like he would act like he didn't really know why he was there and there were other people that felt like he he didn't know exactly and he even mentioned one time somebody heard him say because he hesitated and somebody heard him say where are the adults like he expected maybe to walk in to adults instead of 600 youth and so he just kind of randomly would fire he also had a pipe bomb, and he even kind of hesitated with it a little bit. He walked down, instead of throwing it out into the center, he walked down to the front of the worship center and sort of tossed it over to the side, which was great because when it exploded, it didn't hit anybody. And, you know, so again, it was, he had a... a something about him like he was there but he didn't even know why he was there so and it ended in a dramatic way didn't it how did the shooting end there was a gentleman there he was around 19 or 20 i forget and he had been in one of the youth groups and he had kind of disappeared he had come back and the youth had embraced him and brought him back in and that night as this was happening, of course, you can imagine you would be below. If something was attacking you, you would try to get away or be below it. He kept just sitting in the pew. And finally, when the gunman got close to him, the 
the minister that was with him had kept trying to pull him into the floor. And when the gunman got close, the young man's name was Jeremiah Knight, and he stood up and he confronted the gunman. And he just, you know, like, why are you doing this? And the gunman didn't really answer, but he said, Jeremiah said, you know, you can kill, because the gunman told him, if you don't sit down, I'm going to kill you. And he said, you can kill me, but I know where I'm going to go. I know where my eternity is going to be. Do you know, if you die tonight, where your eternity is going to be? And the gunman just stopped, and he just looked at him, and he, he actually, at that point, stopped what he was doing. Like Just a odd demeanor came over him, and he walked back to the back of the worship center, sat down on a pew, and, and then took his own life, and it ended. And, you know, it was like there was just this point when God said, it's over. And through Jeremiah, you know, because Jeremiah said I had no, I'd never had that strength. Would have never, if somebody had asked me, I couldn't do this. But in that moment, God just gave him the strength to stand up and confront the man and confront him with the truth. And it just, it just stopped it at that point. Yeah. And um, something happened to you as well, Jeff. Could you tell us a little about that? Yeah, I guess I left out that part. When the, the gunman, when he opened the door, when I was going over to greet him, I was probably, I don't know, within, I was, I was about to reach out my hand to shake his hand, so I was probably within 10 feet. And as he opened the door and he stepped in, he, he had kind of a light pullover jumper, and he breached in, pulled out a, the 9 millimeter, and he shot me twice before I had a chance to say anything to him. So once in the abdomen and once in the left arm. And I remember from that point, you know, thinking, okay, this guy just shot me with a with an odd millimeter. And then I could hear, you know, the chaos of him shooting Sydney and the other people and hear their comments. And, of course, there's all that was going on. But I told somebody it was almost like at that point, like it was on TV, like you're in the living room, you can hear it. Because... You know, your body goes into shock if something like that happens. Any any kind of traumatic thing to your body sends it into a shock. And the strange thing was I just continued to stand there. And as all this was going on, and I told somebody, you know, like in my little Rolodex in my mind, for you young folks, that's the way we used to keep up with addresses and stuff. But I had something like if I was in a car wreck or fire in the building or something. I didn't have a little card in my Rolodex for being shot. And so when it happened, I didn't really know what to do. My first reaction was to grab him. There's somebody in the church with a gun, and then part of my mind was saying, but you've been shot. And so I eventually I just turned around and walked out the front door, kind of really at that point not knowing if he was going to shoot me you know, again or not. And when I got outside somebody came out and realized I'd been shot so they took me around to a, a back part of the building and laid me on a pew and I remember when I was laying there they they had left to go check you know see what else was going on and so I'm laying there by myself I think by myself and think okay you know I've just been shot in the stomach you know I may die from this and when I say I thought by myself you know, there have been, 
I mean, when I'm, I hear God's voice, I hear God's spirit, you know, telling me what to do. I mean, giving me, but I, that audible type thing, there's been probably a couple of times in my life where I actually could hear the audible voice of God. And this was one. And as I'm laying there thinking, okay, I could, I could die from this. I heard God's voice say, you're not going to die. That just those simple, you know, few words, you're not going to die. He didn't say, he didn't give me any detail, you know, and I'm, I'm the associate pastor of administration and missions. So I like detail. I want to know when we're going to do things, how we're going to do things. And so when God says, you're not going to die, I'm thinking, okay, then what? And he just left it. And, you know, he didn't say that you're, he didn't say you're going to spend a month in a hospital, which I did. He didn't say you're going to take a year to recover, which I did. He didn't say you're going to have some lifelong health issues, which I do. He didn't give me any of the details. He just said you're not going to die. And immediately when he said that, I tell somebody, it's like when you step into like a warm bath and you kind of feel the warm water on your feet. And as you step down into it, it just kind of emerges into your whole body. Sort of the opposite. Started at the top of my head. I just felt this warm sensation of just peace and just went all the way down to my toes. And I was calm. I was I had I had no worry at that point. And I've had several people who have said, I wish you'd have shared that with us because we didn't obviously know what was going on. But and you know, from there, um of course went to the hospital like I said, there for a month, had a couple of surgeries and, you know, but God has allowed me to be here 22 years later and, you know, be able to share this story, you know, with a lot of people in a lot of places I never thought I'd be able to share it. So. Before we go on, I think that deserves a clap. Can we give Jeff a clap? Thank you so much for sharing. Um, let me summarize just for a second, just before we go on. The church is having a youth service. The 600 young people in a build in a, in a sanctuary, plus all the staff, plus everyone else. And a man walks in and starts shooting. He shoots seven people dead, young people. And then he shoots himself dead. Uh, the, gun, the, the gunman is stopped by an 18-year-old young man who dared to stand up 10 yards from the gunman and say, stop shooting. Had the bravery to do that. And that caused a whole loads of people to not get shot. He had 400 rounds of bullets. He had two pipe bombs. Shoots Jeff. Jeff goes through what he's just shared. Where is God in that? Where? So I want to ask you, Jeff. How did the church deal with that? And how could you possibly forgive? Because that's what we're all thinking. Well, so, you know, as I was in the hospital, I read, I, I got tons of cards and letters and stuff, and I also got a, a Bible, and it was a Bible that has like four different translations on the same page, and so I had, was kind of reading through it, and what has now become one of my you know favorite books, God took me to the book of Job. And, you know, it's, it's like you, you read through things sometimes. 
and you know you can appreciate it but sometimes your life experiences have you read things and understand things differently and i remember reading through job and thinking here was job serving a god kind of minding his own business being faithful and this terrible thing happened but you see through there where he continued to be faithful to god and what god had called him to do now he wasn't easy he didn't just do it with no struggle but you see where other people through there you know, they, they struggled with with that why would this happen something that god had had showed me through all this is i never i would i could honestly say i never questioned god you know i questioned sometimes you know why this because we have seen god use this over the years to bring people to him they're We've seen their faith restored. We've seen marriages restored. We've seen people come to know Christ through this. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things where I remember thinking, well, God, this is, the things you've done through this are remarkable. But, you know, I also thought if you had come to me a few months before that and said, hey, we're going to see marriages restored, people's faith grows stronger. We're going to see people come to know me as their true God, know my son at Christ as their Lord and Savior. If he'd have shared all this and said, what do you think? I said, that would be great. If he'd have said, here's how we're going to do it. You've got to be shot. One of your best friends is going to die and all the other stuff's going to happen with that. I said, you know, that's, that's a good plan, but what if we did it this way? You know, I would have come up with something else. But what God has showed me through all this is, that I either had to believe that he is sovereign and that he is God, he is Lord, and if that's true, that I had to trust him in that. And you know, it doesn't mean I can't ask him questions. It doesn't mean I can't question things and, and spend time with him. He's fine with that. But ultimately it means I have to trust in him to do the things he's going to do in the way he chooses to do it. And through all this, you know, my faith has gone has grown stronger. And but because I think about you know Sydney, we were sitting there together, and I said we were you know was one of my best friends, and we had actually had made plans there on that Wednesday night for something that weekend, and I thought you know why because you hear people like like I, I never I wouldn't say I particularly felt guilty about it, but you hear people say you know if you're in something happens why why me why am I still here and Sydney not, and you know God said. Because I was ready for her, and he, you know, I thought, in some ways, she's just stepped over into eternity with God. I have no doubt about that. And you know, he said, "It's again, it's it's my plan. You know, it's not your your plan to question." But the other thing that we have have noticed, um, so y'all have met Dale, our our current pastor, our former pastor Al Meredith. He course was our pastor when this happened and you know, he and myself and some of the others we have spoken you know multiple places especially brother al and you know one thing that we have shared is that going through a tragedy it doesn't have to be a shooting but going through something this traumatic this you know of course it was on national news and stuff it actually gives you a way to minister to people that we didn't have before um and, you know, when I say you can minister to somebody out of sympathy, 
but we can minister somebody out of empathy. It's, it's, a, it's a whole lot different kind of a thing because when we hear somebody who's going through a traumatic, traumatic situation, whatever it may be, um, to be able to go there and walk through that with them after having gone through this, I understand it much better than I did before. And, you know, losing someone close to me, having been, you know, at the doctor's told me later they said i said what's the long-term plan they said we don't have one we didn't think you were going to make it so we didn't plan past the surgery i said well that's good to know but um and so the you know they said you were you were as close as you can get and not don't die and so having been at that and you know realizing that god has me here for a purpose and has left me here has given me a whole different perspective and view on my personal life, my personal ministry, my ministry at Wedgwood, and how I can reach people and minister to people. Because everybody goes through something. It may not be a shooting, it may not be on national news, but everybody goes through something. And sometimes the people, you know, we were surrounded by people who loved on us and prayed for us. We had people come to the church and prayer walk the campus. I see people send us stuff. We were very well supported through this. The thing that I think so often the churches need to be about, if they're not, are the people who are going through a traumatic situation like that who, are, who aren't on the news, who people don't know about it. You know, And that is the thing I think that we have looked at now is there are so many people out there that are hurting, have things going on, that we need to be about helping them and ministering to them and loving on them when especially when they're they're it's not known when people don't know about it when it's not a big news story so god has really opened up the doors for us to to be able to do that to reach out in the community and you know we want to be known for other things and oh you're at the church where the shooting happens yeah that's that's us wedgwood I see my shirt says Wedgwood Wells team. I feel sometimes like it says Wedgwood where the shooting happened. But, you know, we, we've we done so much more things. But, again, in some odd ways, it opened the door for us to be able to minister people in a way we would never have been able to before. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure there's people who are sitting here today, some might be struggling with their faith at the moment. You know, we do. Other people who are here today it might have never made that step towards Jesus. Uh, they, they're looking and they're searching and they're, they're open for God to kind of move in their life. But what advice would you have for anyone who is struggling with their faith today or who is maybe on that cusp of, of maybe considering a relationship with God for the very first time? What would you say to those today? that it's the best decision they can make if they haven't made that decision before. But, you know, being a Christian doesn't solve your problems. I think so many people think, well, if I become a Christian, then God will take care of everything. What it does mean is that God will be there for you and walk through the trials and tribulations, you know, of your life. You know, Psalm 23 says, you know, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, your fear and all evil it doesn't take you around it or over it. You still go through it, but God walks through it with you. And whether it's something like happened to me or any kind of thing you're going through in your life, you know, God will continue to walk through that. 
and bless you through it because ultimately our our true life our true goal is not here it's not what we're walking through here it's what we get through into eternity with Christ and you know this is just prep for that and i think as i walk through this i'm thinking okay all the things i see god doing you know what they say about hindsight is 2020 that you know if you knew now today we were talking about being older at this point you know if we knew now what we knew when we were younger you know and having walked with god for 50 years of my life now um i see the things he's taught me the things he's brought me through and and how he's walked through me with the mistakes through the tragedies and i'm thinking i don't know how in the world i would have gotten through the things i've gotten through if it hadn't been for him because so many times it wasn't the people in my life that got me through it it was my faith in god because ultimately when i read through job i remember thinking i've got to, i would want to have better friends than these guys you know and i feel like with with god i have that and that is ultimately where my strength and my ultimate joy and my perseverance comes from is is walking with him there's a verse we just were studying a few weeks ago and that the the word the the greek word for patience that it talks about in the bible you know we think of patience as being still and waiting for something to happen the word in this verse actually the greek word for it is it's, it's a perseverance patience they said it's like running the marathon type patience it's that you you know it's going to be hard and you know you've got to do it and you know like if it's the marathon you've got to go you know the 22 23 miles over it is but you're going to you're going to persevere and get through there it's a patience to walk through the tough times it's not a patience of sitting and waiting and i think that's what god has taught me through all this is that the patience of what he has for me he's he's walking me towards that whether it be through the shooting or whatever that that may be in my life mm-hmm. well Today, we hope that we've just been able to share uh, someone's testimony of faith uh, in disaster. Uh, Possibly the worst fear that we could ever have in our life. Um, But as Jeff and I were were chatting about this, uh, what kept coming out of our conversation is that we want you to know that God loves you with an everlasting, never-ending love. There's nothing that you could go through that nothing that you are going through, there's nothing that you will go through in the future that he doesn't love you in. And he wants a relationship with you. He wants you to know him as Lord and Savior. He wants you to walk with him day by day. He wants you to experience on this side of heaven what it is to have a friend that sticks closer than any brother, an intimacy with the living God. That's what he wants you to know. And then for eternity, Where our dear friends are, he wants that to be a close relation to him where you'll see him face to face. That's what he wants. So do you mind, uh, you know, Jeff and I were saying, who should pray? And I was saying, you should. No, you should. No, you should. So he's asked me to pray. So I'd just love to, to pray for us all and then hand back to Ben. Lord Jesus, we come to you today having heard Jeff's testimony And it's touched our heart. We've seen disaster in 
a life that sometimes we, uh, we, could, we think we'll only ever read of. But we've seen somebody here face to face who's been through it. And yet we look at a man who's full of faith. We look at a man who's forgiven. We look at a man who's learning positive things day to day in his walk with you. And we want to be like that. We want to walk with you. I pray that today, if there's anyone here who's never given you the chance to impact their life in a life-changing way that they could never dream of, I pray that they will come to know you today. Today, they will take that step to say, I want a relationship with Jesus. I, I want to give it a chance. And I pray today that if there's anyone here struggling, that you will come into their lives and stand by them and remind them that you'll never leave them or forsake them. That you'll be with them from, from the start to the finish and you will help them through. And for us here today that are, that are uh, looking to be inspired by Jesus, trying to push on, I pray that this will just push us on in another way, in a turbo way, that we, we might make an impact in the kingdom that we've never made before. In Jesus' name. Amen.